Imagine you're 25 years old. What I would consider are prime years. You're on your way professionally, personally, and then you get injured. Injured to the point of paralysis. Left thigh, all the way down. Enter Sasha Tadioni, owner of Modern Warrior Academy of Self-Defense and currently the number one ranked amateur kickboxer in BC. Over the past two years, he's represented Team Canada in Kyokushin Karate, placing top eight globally. But how did he come back from paralysis to start walking again, let alone competing internationally? Sasha and I talk through how he fell into depression and what it was like to go through physical, and more importantly, emotional recovery. How Sasha stepped away from suicide at the very last moment, this story could have had a very different ending and how integrity, discipline, and intention formed Sasha's art of perseverance as he learned to walk again. Welcome to Progress Not Perfection, the leadership podcast where we grow through what we go through. My name is JQ and I'll be your co-pilot. Each episode, we sit down with leaders to explore how they build companies and communities, products and services with a vision for the greater good. We dig into how they create clarity and chaos as they wrestle with messy situations and also how they navigate their own career journeys along the way. If you're ready, let's step to it. Sasha, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are. Um, how old are you? What do you do? Give us the rundown of who is Sasha Tadayoni. My name is Sasha Tadayoni. I am 31 years old. Luckily, made it to 31 so far. I am a soon-to-be professional kickboxer who owns a business, I guess. You, you're the owner of Modern Warrior Academy of Self-Defense, right? Where, where you actually teach others how to defend themselves. And right now, you're you're the number one ranked amateur kickboxer in BC. Is that correct? I would say so. To maybe kick off, let's take a step back about five years. So at the end of 2015, mm -hmm. you injured your back to the point where you were paralyzed on the left side, right? Spinal herniation that led to you not feeling anything from the thigh down. Yeah. What happened? At this point, there's a lot of little discussions that I had with the doctors at that time regarding what exactly could have been the root cause, but it could have been a, a variety of things. For me at that time, I was in a stage in my life where I was, quote unquote, hustling for the dollars, but I was going down a path that I no longer either enjoyed or I knew that I wasn't supposed to be doing. I was working in IT and... It was just one day at work. I was just picking something up and I heard it. I'm sure nobody else heard it, but I heard it. And internally that my back kind of popped. It felt like a pop. And I immediately, almost immediately, felt like a very tingling, burning sensation down the left side of my thigh going down my leg. And then uh, I just knew something was wrong. Mm. And from that point on, I couldn't walk for the next three years. Wow. And so you were, uh, what, 26 at the time? No. So I would have been 25, 24, 24 and a half. Let's say that because I okay. remember around 28 is when I first started the, the business. Right, right. 
Wow. So you're you're 25, 24 and a half ish, and and this happens to you. <laughs> Tell me about like yeah. that day. What was it like? So you get injured. You realize all of a sudden that you couldn't move, and then I was just confusion, like pain, confusion, and just like kind of like what's going on. I thought I might have just sprained something, or I might have pulled like my hamstring or something like that, or I must have pulled my back. It was just. I, I blamed it mostly on muscular. I thought it was a muscular thing. Mm, mm-hmm. And then as time went on, it became very clear that it wasn't. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't sleep even lying down certain ways would, would aggravate it, but then not sleeping certain ways would aggravate it. It was just constantly aggravated. And it was just very frustrating. It was a very, very frustrating time because I was so confused. Well, what is the reason behind why, why all this is happening? How can I rectify a solution? Yeah. And at that point, were you like in a wheelchair moving around? No, 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 no. I was just hobbling around. I had enough, let's say, muscle mass in my left side that I was able to kind of hobble around for a while. And as time went Mm. on and I used less and less and less of that leg, then it started to uh, go into major atrophy. And then I would start getting imbalances which then made me more injured, right? It's a really, it's a cyclical cycle, right? It's, you get injured, you can't move something, you get atrophy. Once you get atrophy, body's imbalanced, other things start working harder than they need to be. Then those things get injured and sore because again, they're carrying more of the load, thus making your initial injury even worse and it just keeps going. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Not fun. No. Your journey to recovery spanned almost three years. What was that journey like in terms of, how did you pick yourself back up and, and who was there to reignite you? How did you get out of your own head to get back to recovery? During that three years, I would say family and certain friends definitely were the key components and in, in helping me survive and keep a mental state that was healthy enough to be able to allow me to actually go outside and do things like what I'm sure a lot of people take for granted just their daily routine. I would say, yeah, they were one of the strongest components of why I came back. But I think another reason, though, would be I'm very, I guess, stubborn. (laughs) I just I couldn't imagine that this is the way my story would end. And I'm not trying to say this in a narcissistic, like kind of conceited way, like oh, my story. But I mean, genuinely, my the story of my life. Like if I were to look back at myself on my deathbed, so to speak, I'd be like, huh, I remember the time where I forgot how to walk. Like something like that. I just couldn't fathom that. Mm. So I had to look even deeper. And it was my heart telling me, it's like, no, this isn't how it's going to end. This is not your story. You need to keep up with the things that you were doing in order to heal yourself. So at that time, I was seeing a lot of doctors, different doctors. So, I mean, in a span of three months, I lost my job. Mm -hmm. I like sold everything that I had. I had a really nice apartment at that time, too, because I was working in IT. So I could afford lots of lovely things here to live in here in expensive BC. And, you know, sold pretty much everything. Had a nice car, sold that, moved back with my parents eventually got you know once i got let go i had to go on welfare money to survive and things like that and it's just mm-hmm. 
and this happened within a span of three months. So like within three months, I went back to farther than I was. I was worse off than when I was even in leaving high school, technically, because at, at least in high school, I had no debt. Now I'm <laughs> now I'm back with my parents with debt, with no job, can't walk. Like it was just a really bad time. Mm. I was just in such a bad headspace that and when I would see these doctors, I had two of them specifically tell me, you're not going to walk again. Like this is the new norm. Wow. Which I would naturally get very angry, very frustrated. I get fun. I get angry at them. I get frustrated at myself. Mm. I said, no, I don't believe this. And it wasn't until I saw a physiotherapist in UBC, one of the UBC uh, sports med centers. I went there and he literally, I walked in. And as I was walking in, the physiotherapist said, what's wrong with you? Kind of a savant, honestly, wow. in his field. He wouldn't really even look at me when I would talk. <laughs> kind of a strange character. But he, as I was walking, I hadn't even talked to him yet. It was my first like meeting with him. He said, what's wrong with your left leg? What do you mean? What's wrong with it? Like he's like, yeah, you're you're hobbling in a very specific way. What's wrong? Is it a back, glutes? You know what I mean? Just guessing. So he gave me a whole bunch of exercises. So yeah. So to answer your question in a really roundabout way, sorry, but so I would say family, mm. friends for sure, certain friends that bared with my negativity at that time, and just staying consistent with my rehabilitation exercises. Like not giving up on that, not giving up on myself. Somehow, despite mm. all that negativity, I just wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. I was stubborn. Yeah. Like, nope, this can't be it. This won't be the story. Nope, you know? <laughs> I love how you position it as your stubbornness. And I feel like it's you, Sasha, digging in against adversity where you're saying, well, you know what? This is not how... This sucks. And I think there's this emotional yeah. piece that I, I would love to start to dig into too. But at the same time, I'm going to try to do what I can to get back up on my feet. Tell me a little bit about your emotional journey during this time. What was that like? Yeah, no, for sure. I think the emotional journey is the most interesting, actually, because you don't really know yourself until you've been put in a position where you are suffering. And I hope that's not... I mean, I'm only 31, so I'm hoping through my years of experience later on in life that I will find that not to be the case. But so far, I found that the greatest either personal achievements or the greatest discoveries or the greatest whatever it is that you're kind of going through, it usually happens at a state of suffering. And then your reaction to said suffering, right? I mean, whether you look at beautiful art and a lot of things like that, you say like artist needs to be going through something in order to showcase something very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Because it comes from deep from the soul, right? So for me, emotionally during that time, it was just, I became depressed. I became clinically depressed. And I think we need to, today's discussions we usually have in discourse with other people. A lot of people like to claim depression, right? Quickly. Like, oh, I'm so depressed. And then I have to correct them. Like, no, you're not depressed. You are blue. You are feeling down, which is normal. If you didn't feel down, I think you're crazy. Right. Like you need to have ebb and flow of emotional everything. Right. How can you understand what happiness is if you don't feel down? Right. Right. You need to feel down. Depression is a different thing. Depression, you feel nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. Depression is a lack thereof. Like there is a lacking. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like you are valuable as an asset, as a human being. Right. It is a mental 
it is a sickness almost. So, you know, when I try to describe that to people, then they get it. That's what I felt. It's like a malaise, like a haze over your head all the time, constantly. There's no reason to wake up. So I, that's what I felt, you know, down the road, you know, a year and a half in, and I would say would be the time where I was really tested emotionally. Because up until that point, you're confused, right? Like, let's say up until the injury, from the beginning of injury, you're just confused. And you're just kind of going about like, hey, I have to find this out. Hey, you have a spine injury. You know, finally we figured out. I'm like, okay, spine injury. Okay, what's next? You know, like you're just going through it. Mm. And then by the year and a half mark, I've gone and I've seen all the doctors I need to see. I've taken all the tests I needed to test. Now it's just a, whether or not I'm going to get better. So during that time was really hard because you just kind of, there's no real timeline now. All the answers that, all the questions that you had for yourself initially have been answered. And you're just sitting there and you're reflecting and you're comparing. That's kind of where I would say the depression started. You start comparing to a life that once was or what you once were and compare it to your current state. Mm -hmm. And you get depressed. You start living in the past. I love the fact that you're bringing up comparison. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like you were comparing the old you versus what you were, you know, when you got injured. Mm. But what about comparing yourself to others? Because when I think about the track that you were on in terms of, you know, well-paying job, you had an apartment, you had a car, you're mid-20s, right? And you lose it all. And all of a sudden, you're back in your parents' place on welfare. And you're like, what in the world happened? What was it like thinking through comparing yourself to others? I mean, yeah, comparison, what is it? What's the expression? Comparison is the thief of joy. Is that one of the expressions? Yeah, comparison that I heard? steals all yeah, joy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I would definitely say it was rings true because I was sitting there not only comparing myself to what I used to be. And it's funny too, a month before the injury, a month and a half before the injury, I had a competition I had just won against someone that it seemed that I wasn't going to win against in a bout. So you know, I was coming off a pretty high, let's say. Oh, and you then, were uh, you were fighting at that point. I was still competing. Yeah, I was. I've been competing since I was 16 years old. Yeah, I've been competing since 16, 15, very competitively. But I mean, things were on the up and up, and in that end too. Actually, what maybe a lot of people don't know is that I lot I was doing that IT job specifically to have more time to train. But as I got into the IT job, that's why I'm saying I was starting to get kind of distracted because. The money was good. I was putting a lot of my training aside, you know, like going down mm -hmm. a different path almost. So, yeah, that's why I'm, in a weird way, the whole thing was a very painful but good blessing because it got me back to where I needed to be. But anyway, comparing myself yeah. and, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if we weren't living in an age of social media where you get this constant fear of missing out the FOMO reaction based on Instagram and just being constantly bombarded with news feeds, updates, this and that. And it's like an almost like an addiction, right? You always like looking into what other people are up to and things like that and keeping tabs. And maybe people don't do that. And if you don't do that, congratulations, continue down that path. That's way healthier than what most people are doing. Mm -hmm. But I would be guilty of it for sure. You pull people's stuff, keep tabs on them, see what they're up to. But in doing so, you start envisioning their life and what how joyous it must be and comparing it to your own and how awful it is. And you just keep feeling worse. 
it didn't help. It's like in the end, by the end of the year and a half, in the end, I was feeling useless. I was feeling like I could not participate in society because I had nothing to give. I was more like a parasite, word for word, verbatim, parasite. Especially now I'm on welfare and I'm not on welfare because I'm – I have an addiction or things like that. And I have deepest empathy for those who are going through addiction or alcohol mm-hmm. abuse or whatever it is because those are mental afflictions, right? Mine was a physical affliction that technically could be solved with surgery, but they would have to fuse my spine together, which mm-hmm. would make it so that I would not be able to bend over anymore, like at all. But I didn't want that. I kept believing that I would heal on my own. So it was like almost – it felt like I was purposely making myself suffer because I would talk to these doctors like, listen, you're not going to walk normally again. This is just the way it is. Like, But what we can do is that we can fuse your spine together, cut you open, fuse your spine together. You might mm-hmm. get more feeling back in that leg, but you won't be able to bend over. You'll use it. But hey, look, at least you'll be able to semi-walk again. I'm like, no, that's not – this kickboxer guy you know that i was like no that's not an option i'm not going to do that you know did you have a vision at that point where you wanted to get back into kickboxing regardless of the state that you're currently in and maybe this is a good segue to how did the healing journey what was the pivotal moment of you getting back into healing oh gosh no I can't even say that during that time I was even envisioning myself kickbox. I felt it was over in that time. It was done. Mm. There was no more sport to be had. If I could walk, that would be the win, right? If I could walk without surgery and because like you have to understand this surgery also had its risks too. Like it wasn't like I was just like, no, I don't want to do it. And being stubborn in that way, it was a spine. Like you're going into my spine. It had very chances that it could go wrong, right? Because they were they were gonna shave off the side of my right this this jelly that had popped pretty much into little jelly donuts <laughs> in between each spinal cord. If that pops, it can, <sighs> there's liquid in it, so they want to shave off some of the side. But the thing is that shaving off it's right near the nerves. That's why I couldn't walk in the first place because the nerve was right. being completely pinched. So what if it got worse? So if they were to shave. Well, yeah. Well, if they shaved accidentally, it's very possible. So it wasn't a surgery that was going to be like foolproof, 100%. Yeah, we know that we're going to fix you. It was like, hey, it has its risk, but it's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, no. (laughs) Gosh, no. (laughs) So yeah, I couldn't even envision myself kickboxing at that time. There was no way. And I'm sorry if I didn't answer your last question. So when when did the... uh, Sorry, ranting. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) When did did the healing journey... Or the healing. when did the healing path start? Yeah. So the, after all that injury, so the, I think it was within the second year mark, I had my, I had a suicidal attempt. So I had a proper breakdown. And, you know, I would say I put up for two years. I put up a good fight, I think, mentally. <laughs> it was just so much of a burden. I felt like such a burden trash i would say again parasite these are the words i would use for myself and i walk like hobbled myself so i was fully walking with a cane at this point 
and I hobbled myself to the. This is a、uh, 2017. Yeah, I hobbled myself up to the bridge. I was like the patello, and I would say I was sitting at the edge there, and I wanted to jump. I am not bringing myself to do that, and I got. I had an officer that was walking, or not walking, but driving by and kind of talked me down. After that moment, which is surreal to think that I was there, I can't even. If you were to ask me to go back to that time, it's it's kind of hard, because I'm so different now, right? But I can't believe I was there. But it was a phone call actually that I had with my brother, who let me have it, so to speak. He berated me, <laughs> like emotionally, like just full on. Yeah, it, which is strange because if people know my brother, he's not. That's so out of character for him. I think for him, it was kind of like that insanity motto. What is like if you keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, you're insane. So I think he was.、Mm-hmm. He's tried to be nice this whole time, and it didn't work. So then now he went the other approach, which was just like you know. And so, what was that? Was he just calling you out on your? Yeah, he's your, just like he's like I am sick and tired of you. Your yeah, feelings of yeah, pretty much just、yep. my pettiness, my petty feelings. He was just destroying it, and this is and he had no idea that I just attempted, you know, suicide,、mm. which is that's the I don't know if this is a, a cruel irony, but like I was in such a low place, and here this guy is like literally kicking me while I'm down, kind of thing, but. Why that struck a chord with me is that look how much he had to come out of his own character to reach out to me, right? He was trying a different approach, like this whole other approach was like empathy, sympathy, this that, and then he finally was like, "Listen, I'm sick and tired of this. Like, you need to decide." That's what he told me. You need to decide what it is that you want to do with your life. How am I going to introduce you? To my friends and my family, you know, like to my friends and like future family and stuff like that, right? Like, am I going to tell them here's my brother, the martial artist that has so many good values and all this other stuff, or this lazy piece of shit guy? <laughs> I'm sorry if we can't swear, but like lazy piece of shit guy that <laughs> that's okay. You know, he's not doing anything with his life. He's just super negative, pushes everybody away, and I hate being around him. Decide, and then he click, and I, for the first time in a long time. Bald, like cried from, you know those disgusting cries. It was one of those. It was nothing pretty about it. It was gross. It was just every little, a little wet. <laughs> yeah, every yeah, every every、snot. hole was uh was leaking, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> everything was leaking. Ears, <laughs> nose, mouth. So, oh man, I was I was fine until yeah, you said well, yeah, every yeah, hole. Yeah, maybe not every every like, hole, but、oh, yeah,、man. no, the fa- facial、Visual. holes. Yeah, no, and then that something about that conversation. I don't know. It was just like he right. He woke me up, like, and then literally two days later, I was watching TV. There was the sexual assaults that was happening at UBC. It was like a new case of it.、Mm. So yeah, so I think it was 2017. Like a new case of it was happening every week, and I wasn't sure if it was the same one or not. I don't recall anymore, but. That moment struck such a chord with me. Right after that conversation, that I'm like, here, he told me I need to do something. I need to decide. I'm like, okay, he's right. And like, look at these people who don't even know how to defend themselves. I'm with a cane, but 
sure as hell if someone came to attack me i knew something even in my limpy state i'd stand my ground you know but i can't even imagine what these people are feeling like these girls who mm. probably feel deep fear and anxiety probably all the time so yeah i made another phone call with, a, with another friend who sat me down at a starbucks we had the same kind of conversation he told me about what he thinks I could become and this and that. And I told him my idea and he reached out to one of the yoga studios there. At that time, that yoga studio was willing to let me teach for free. In retrospect, it's probably because it was a good deal for her, but <laughs> she's not the owner of that yoga studio anymore, but she let me teach there for free. And I told her, I kind of gave her my rundown of what I wanted to do. So, Hey, this is going to be a completely free course. Just want to kind of, Mr. Miyagi, my way to teaching certain people, some of the girls and some of the students there, just basics, conceptual understanding of what it is to defend yourself, right? So I started doing that and I started that and became five students, 10 students, 15 students, like over a few span of a few months. And then that same friend who introduced me to that owner is the one who kind of talked me into starting the business told me hey you should at that point you were um, instructor yeah you were still on a cane i was teaching with a cane that's what i'm saying mr miyagi i was i don't yeah. know old yeah. karate kid wow. guys old karate kid not the new one that's, with the that's... jackie chan <laughs> the classic the og like <laughs> the, the og one <clears throat> so okay um yeah. you Mr. miyagi it. And then you start walking again in 2018. What mm. was that moment like for you? So I didn't start walking until after we started the business. When we started the business, like three months into three to four months, I don't remember, but like three to four months into it, I started getting feeling in my toes and my heels. And like, I can walk. Because at this point, you were doing your exercises, your rehabilitation, your... I was still doing my rehab like it was, you know, at this point it become it became routine. It was like, it definitely felt useless throughout the entire time that I was doing the routine, but I was like, eh, it's like, I'll just keep doing it. Like, again, like, I don't know, I'm a martial artist. So I, so as far as building a routine, I have no problem. So that had became part of my routine. Right. So you showed up disciplined. And maybe that's a discussion point we should have later down the road about like being disciplined enough even in states of depression and states of anxiety and whatever, to have the discipline to create yourself a routine because that's so important. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we could talk about that later. But yeah, like I kept doing that. And then so I started to walk like three to four months into starting the business. It was crazy. It was such an enlightening moment where I felt like this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be always connected somehow to martial arts and empowering myself and mm -hmm. in so doing empowering others like this is my this is what i need to be doing this is what i should have been doing the whole time and it took a back injury to make me realize yeah if we can pause right here there are like two things that i really want to harbor on is uh, one is the fact that you had the daily discipline mm -hmm. to show up even though you weren't mm -hmm. seeing results because that's who you were as a martial artist and an athlete. And then two, you, I didn't actually know this, but you launched your business while still being on a cane yeah. and walking with a cane. And, and it was like, you weren't actually fully capable of teaching <clears throat> in your prime, but you jumped into that 
Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So wow. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, and, and then, I wouldn't say it's super crazy. Go ahead. I think it's kind of crazy that I thought that it would all just work out. Because I, I honestly, when I started a business, to me, I, I never thought like making it really big. I thought he said making a business as in like I wanted to get off of welfare. That was my win. I'm like I didn't want to be feeling like a parasite anymore. I wanted to if I started my own business and was able to because I started the own business out of that yoga studio. I should still stay. I didn't like all of a sudden get my own studio or anything like that. I still practice out of that same yoga yoga space. So it's just made it more official. Like we rented it out officially, kind of got our own entranceway and you know what I mean? And we just continued on mm-hmm. doing what we were doing. But I never would have envisioned, never at that time, that we would ever be making necessarily a big profit. I just wanted to see if I could get off of welfare. That was the goal. Right? Small, small goal. Mm-hmm. And so fast forwarding a bit, you launch your business, you start walking again in 2018. And then for any MMA fans tuning in, uh, you're in the Battlefield Fight League, BFL 57, and you jump into a Muay Thai undercard portion on September 22nd, 2018. So later on that year. Yeah. And then fast forward even like a bit, just a year later, barely, on August 29th, 2019, you took home the advanced Muay Thai AMA championship belt to the point where you're the number one ranked amateur kickboxer in BC. <laughs> yeah. Belt holder at like 160 pounds. How did that happen? That's it's so cool. How did, all that? How did you make that shift? <laughs> so it was my students who actually so when I started to walk again, I went all out. Like I did not take that moment for granted at all. It was just such a you know, like I was just so thankful that I had my abilities back that I began training. I started training hard. Like I started training with my students. Let's put it that way. So I never even thought, I never went even back to my old studio, my old gym. Mm -hmm. I just kept training with my students. And then I just felt myself getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger, like exponentially. It was like as if like my body just knew what it was doing. It helped again, having a routine for sure. I had established myself a, a, a routine for exercise to heal and, and bring myself back, right? So things that could have been strong or stayed strong did stay strong, right? Like my upper glutes and things things like that. I try I do my best, right? So when I learned to walk again, it was like get right back on that horse, right? So started exercising, but competition was never, ever in the forefront of my mind. It wasn't until my students themselves talked me into it. So the same way a friend talked me into a business, my students talked me into competing. Like, you should compete again. You're so strong. You you, should, you know, you have all this. Go. I was like, guys, I'm like, I'm 28 at this point, And I've been out for three years. There's no way. This dream's died. You know, it's over. It's over for me. No, no, no. You should try. You should try. And I guess, I don't know. My ego needed closure somehow. <laughs> so I threw myself back in there. <laughs> You're like, but, can I do this? Yeah, yeah, can I? Yeah, like, can I do this? I'm like, you know, I'd like to, and you know, win or lose. I don't think there's a, you know, I can talk about martial arts a, a lot, and I'd love to maybe down one down the road we can do a different one. But I don't think people realize the difference between a martial arts bout and like a regular sport is the prep that goes into it. There's so much prep work that for that one moment 
right? Because look, our even our bouts aren't that long, right? They're six minutes, right? Six minutes, ten mm-hmm. minutes maybe, right? I mean, for an MMA bout, it's twenty five minutes. But most basic hockey games, soccer games, basketball games, gosh, even curling is longer than twenty five minutes, right? So if you mm-hmm. think of it in retrospect, the moment that we're having as martial artists going in there as competitors is not very long, but the amount of prep that goes into it is incredibly long. It's incredibly long. It, mm-hmm. It's arduous. It's painful. It's everything. It's sacrifice. So once you go through that prep and you come out of it, you've or at least as a, if you're a true martial artist, that's the win. The win isn't getting your hand raised at the end. That's the icing. That's the greatest feeling afterwards because, you know, like the culmination of all the prep has led to this moment where your hand gets raised. But the win is the transformation that takes place during the prep, right? You're prepping for this one moment. You are never the same. So when you finish that tournament, you are not the same person as you were when you were going, when you decided that you wanted to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted again. So it wasn't even like, oh, can I win? It's like, huh, can I do this? Can I go through Mm, a prep mm -hmm. and do this? Can I become what I was before? Can I be better than what I was before? Like, I need to find out. Before I die, I need to find out. Yes or no? No regrets kind of thing. Yeah. It feels like, if I can take you here, preparation is one of your guiding principles in terms of... Mm -hmm how you view things and how you approach it. It's like the discipline of preparation. What are some of your other guiding principles that you've applied to your life over the past few years? And how have you, how did you land on them in the first place? Yeah. So preparation definitely is a big one. If you can practice something and prep for something, you should, right? And we've talked about discipline, having the discipline to decide, having the discipline to stay in integrity with yourself, right? Integrity is when your words and your actions match, right? So if not with others, at least with yourself. (laughs) I mean, I hope you have integrity with Mm -hmm. others too, but at least if not with others, with yourself. Like when you say that you are not going to, something basic, not going to drink anymore, stick to it. Don't drink, right? If you are saying that you want to do this and that, just do it. Don't half-ass it, right? So discipline, having the integrity uh, to keep your own words with yourself and with others, ideally. And I think intention. And I talked about this actually with another friend. We did a podcast as well. And we mentioned it. I said, talking about intention, having intention in your life. What is your daily goal, ritual, or purpose for waking up every morning? Like you should already have an idea. And if you don't, nurture that, right? Find something that when you do wake up, there's like a purpose for why you're awake in general. Like uh, for me at that time, right? That's one of the reasons I like competition is when you're prepping for that competition, the intention becomes that. The intention is I need to be as strong, as fast, as prepped and mentally aware and awake as possible for this one moment, right? And you do this enough, it becomes kind of like second nature. Like I can apply this principle 
now of intention to other aspects of my life, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm going out with you, Jay, and we're having a good time, the phone's away. My intention is to have a good time, right? I am not focused on anything else other than being with you and being in the present, right? That's the intention. If my intention is to play video games, then again, like I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm in it. I'm playing video games with my bros, (laughs) right? We're just playing online. Nothing else matters, right? (laughs) If my intention is to work on my business, if there's a set amount of time that I've worked on my business, again, cell phones off, everything's off. I'm hustling. I'm just working. Like, I think if I can take anything out of this whole injury and this whole process, this whole transformative process, I would think intention would be one of the things that I had to learn the hard way, but I eventually learned it. And I learned that through, yeah, through my training, I would say, and through seeing the results of my decisions, right? So when I decided that I wanted to do this business, when I decided that I wanted to compete, I was getting success in it. And then I realized it's like, because my intention, like the work ethic behind it was following my intention, right? I wanted to succeed really bad. I wanted to get back to a place that I, not even go back to a place that I was, but be better than even than I was, right? So my intention had to be very clear. Mm. I had a quote that I had above my bed. It was the one was like, be ashamed to die until you've won some kind of victory for mankind. And I actually had that on the, I had printed it off in like really bad color. <laughs> and I printed it off and I pr- placed it on the ceiling of my bed. So it would be the first quote I would read when I would wake up. And it was the last quote I would read before I went to bed. Wow. And then I had another quote beside me. It was like talking about choice. Saying, like, you choose, you choose, you choose. It had a whole bunch of things that saying, I choose, I choose, I choose. But it's just like that kind of like message in my head kept playing. I'm like, okay, that's my intention for the day, right? Mm-hmm. Man, that's so good. There's so, like, sounds like if I can kind of summarize a lot of those principles, one is prioritize preparation. Yeah, sorry, I'm rambling. No, yeah. no, no, th- this is great. <laughs> I just want to make yeah. sure I capture them properly. Yeah. One is prioritize preparation. Two is have the discipline to decide. Uh, three is living with integrity. It means matching your actions with your words. And then four, nurture intention. Does that mm. summarize yeah, it? Yeah, I would decently? say so. For sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my active listening skills. And, uh, but it's funny, as millennials, I think these things came a lot easier maybe in the past because we didn't have so many things that distracted us. Mm. But it's so... in. I'm just trying to find the words. Like, I think anyone listening to this, you have to understand, like, everything out there right now is trying to garner your attention. The The real equity is your attention, where your eyes go, right? So you have these companies and places and, and all these things that are trying to garner your attention. But if you can focus on being in the present just for a moment, not worry about where you're going to go next or what you're going to do or comparing yourself to an old version of yourself or whatever, which I think social media has been a blessing and a curse in that way. Right. At least for me, this is from my experience, right? It was a Mm -hmm. blessing and a curse in that way. It's really hard to have intention in your life because you're just trying to, like you said, you compare yourself to other people, but I think having good intention keeps you present. And that's the goal. Ultimately, 
That's so good. I'm going to actually tweak principle four then. It's going to be nurture building intention with your attention. With, yeah, intention with your attention. You're so quotable. This is so great. Oof. Oof, Oof, that's good. I'm going to steal that. Throw this on a motivational poster. Intention with your attention. Yes. No, for sure. Because everything is trying to grab your attention now. Everything, whether it be like news that is just so crazy, wild. You, like the Trumps of the world and stuff like that and try to get you to worry about things that ultimately don't matter that mm-hmm. ultimately won't help you change the society and community that you live in right I think people almost need to practice a stoic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like a stoic approach which is like what Maximus Aurelius would say like figure out what you can change and acknowledge and have the wisdom to accept the things you can't right yeah. And double down. If there's things that you can't change, double down on those things. But if there's things that you can't change, disregard it because yeah. acknowledge it, but disregard it because it's not going to it's not going to help you. I haven't heard that quote in a long time and glad that you brought it up. I used to have that mm. on my car um steering wheel just like taped, you know, so that I'd oh, see no that way. as I through the day and so yeah. You're you're bringing a smile to yeah. my face. Very meditations. Nostalgic. Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It's one of the greatest pieces of writing ever. And it's funny. It was like a journal for himself. Mm-hmm. Was that the story? I didn't really look into the history of it, but it was like a journal to the first philosopher king of Rome. It was such an interesting read. I really, really enjoyed it. And I have a little uh, audible that I listen to sometimes. And then it's just, just like a has like oh, a nice. daily quote, a stoic quote. That's perfect. Really cool. Hey, Sasha, uh, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Now that you're training people in self-defense, what are you hoping to accomplish for your students? And then if it's still within that realm, what are you hoping to accomplish for yourself? And maybe the selfish piece can actually be either within your business or even outside, because I think you mentioned earlier that you want to, you're on your path to becoming a professional kickboxer. Yeah, yeah. I think as far as we're like, wherever I get in kickboxing because like i said i'm I'm just grateful that i have a chance to compete again now how far i get into it i don't know but you damn well better know that i'm going to be trying my best to get as far as it in it as i can i have Mm -hmm. the second chance and i'm not going to waste it right so for me it's again like i said it's not about having my hand raised although that's that's ultimately a really nice feeling too but it's about living with no regrets for me, right? I need to, there needs to be a time in my life where I can look back and be like, I went a hundred percent and this is how far I got. And you know, that's it. Great. I can live in peace knowing that. But for my business, what I want for my students is to teach them these things, right? Not only to prep them to survive altercations on the street, right? I'm not trying to get them to win anything. There's no winning a street fight. I've mentioned this to them. There's no winning a street fight. You're either a victim or a survivor. And I just want to create more survivors, more awareness. In that awareness, not only in their environment, but awareness to themselves, right? Like the things of intention that I talk about. So I make my students bow in before they come into the studio every time. It's part of the practice that we do in karate. One of the traditional karate that I practice here is called seiyu karate. It's part of the kyokushin Kaikan Nakamura organization, mm. which I'll humble brag really quick. I'm part of Team Canada for that as well. 
I competed in the worlds for the last two years and I placed top eight. Both, both that's years. dope. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been an awesome trip. Nothing's paid on that. So it's just, but again, I very much like it. It's very much a traditional style. And one of the things that they make you do is they always make you bow before you come to the studio. And the practice of that bow in and then bow out is that once you os, we have os, os is actually, um, os no seishin means the art of perseverance. Os no seishin? To persevere. Os no seishin. Yeah, it's like the art of persevering. So karate guys to each other will always say os. Even to acknowledge an answer, they'll say os. Right? So if I ask a question, my answer is always os. Os means like I acknowledge what you're saying and I understand and I will do it to the best of my ability. And if I can't, I will not say os. Wow. Does that make sense? So we... Yeah, so we That's always, a lot of context in one word. In just one word, yeah. Because the word is actually os no seishin, but you say os mm. to shorten it. Mm-hmm. Like, I will persevere. You're acknowledging that, right? I will persevere. So we say that when we're coming into the studio. And the whole purpose, that whole mental practice is to try to get you to be in the present, right? That's the greatest aspect of training, right? It's that for a moment, whether you're in the gym or not, and this is what I... I tell them, if you're not doing karate, it's okay. You can still put this karate uh, philosophy into practice, right? When you're going to exercise, that is a moment for yourself to be present, to practice that, to leave your stresses and all that in that moment. Because when you come into the dojo, nothing else matters. And I try to tell them that all the time. Like nothing else matters right now outside of this dojo you've now you're in here be here you're with me you're stuck with me for the next hour and a half to two hours be here be present practice as hard as you can to the best of your ability and then leave here in peace that's my goal always come here with your stresses leave here in peace that's that's kind of like wow my ultimate goal for my students and my ultimate goal for the business really is to to expand it and have it um I'm trying to do a lot more reading on security and threat management and the laws of Canada and what you can and can't do. And I'm constantly trying to, you know, upgrade my education, I guess, in this field of self-defense from courses in America to just courses here locally. So I would love to ultimately have my program be subsidized by the provincial government so that I don't even have to charge people anything. And that this program can be kind of pushed into like public service. Yeah. Like high schools almost mm-hmm. like something that's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, in gym, instead of playing just dodgeball, you can have like a self-defense portion of the course, which is like three months long or something. Yeah. Wow. Sasha, the art of perseverance that is so powerful in terms of, I think that so mm-hmm. perfectly summarizes your journey too because you and i met back in like 2010 i want to say and yeah a lot of listeners will realize that most of the people that i interview are not just like oh that person looks interesting let's just talk to them it's actually a lot of these relationships that we've had over time where you and i might have fallen out of touch and then all of a sudden you know years later now here we are in totally different totally different places totally paths yeah Right. And you go through this persevering path 
wow, I'm not saying this well at all, but it's just so cool to hear your story and to see, see where you've come, yeah. you know, the art of perseverance. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate you even giving me a, a platform to talk about it. Where can people find you? So they can find me on Instagram, uh, me personally, or the dojo. So both things, we're on every aspect of social media. We're on there. We even made a TikTok, begrudgingly made a TikTok <laughs> the other day uh, for the business. But And on that TikTok, we just do self-defense moves and things like that. But uh, so for me, you can find me at MW Self Defense with a C. Nice. And then... Myself is Sasha Tadioni, all one word. Uh, these are on Instagram. And then on Facebook is backslash MW Self Defense, again with a C. And then www.modernwarrior.ca. Those are our places. And I don't remember what our TikTok is, just because I'm not a big fan. <laughs> we just had to. We, <laughs> yeah, like, we I guess we're, we're on it. Yeah. Where, yeah, I was just like, ugh, I'm not doing any dances if that's what people want. But I'll put, I'll stay in my lane, as you know, as they would say. So yeah. we just show different self-defense moves and things like that. If you guys want to tag yourselves, recording yourselves doing it again, I'd be more than happy to see it. But <laughs> um, yeah, no dance moves. Sorry. Cool. Thanks for hanging out with me, Sasha. So so yeah. powerful. Osnosation. You can persevere. I simply couldn't imagine that this is the way that my story would end. Before I die, I need to find out whether I can do this. Sasha's words still strike me months after our interview. I was inspired by Sasha's story of how, despite tremendous adversity, he developed the art of perseverance through intention, discipline, and integrity, and I think the world could grow from hearing his story. If you agree with me, Share this episode on your social networks and leave me a review about this episode in terms of what stuck out to you. Until next time, keep swinging at those shrubs. JQ, out. <laughs>